0: Hello Freedom Fighters, thank you for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide for pursuing a life of adventure and passion, and setting up a location-independent business that can support your dream lifestyle. Go check us out at openworldmag.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Open World Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Flood, and today on the show, we're joined by Justin Cook. Together with his business partner, Justin runs EmpireFlippers.com. They run a marketplace for buying and selling websites and online businesses. They started off building and selling their own websites, but over time transitioned to a full-on brokerage. They also developed a system to consistently generate uh, a couple hundred dollars per niche site in AdSense income. They have a small team in the Philippines and also run an apprenticeship program where they bring out talented people to work with them and their company in Southeast Asia. And what's great about Empire Flippers is that they're also very transparent and regularly share real life successes and failures, monthly business reports, and more, which you can read on their blog at empireflippers.com forward slash blog. Well, hopefully I covered everything there, Justin, just want to welcome you to the show.
1: Thanks, Danny. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you got everything. I think that was a good intro, buddy.
0: <laughs> so I'm really excited to talk with you today because I feel like you're an expert at vetting different online businesses um, because through your website, you've seen a ton of different business types and online business models. Um, would you say that's correct?
1: Yeah, I'd say that's one of the coolest things about our business is, you know, we get to see all of the projects and the businesses from these other entrepreneurs and we get to see them at different stages. So anything from, you know, something that's kind of just starting off, maybe it's making four or $500 a month up to 30, 40, $50,000 a month businesses that people are looking to potentially sell. So we get to see a lot of different niches, a lot of different industries, a lot of different, you know, ways to run your business that I think actually helps us run our business. So it's pretty interesting.
0: Fantastic, and I can't wait to dig into that. Uh, but before we do, why don't you walk me through your backstory, telling me and the listener a little bit about you? I know you've dabbled in things like real estate. Uh, you started an outsourcing company. Can you tell me more about that and your journey?
1: Yeah, so my business partner and I uh, both had a mortgage business, and. Was back in the heyday. We're talking like 2005, 2006. It was great time to be in the mortgage business, especially in California. And then it wasn't right. The uh, mortgage crisis started to hit, and we saw it early because we were in the business. And and you know our business started to fail, and we actually went out of business. I uh, had to go get jobs, which is pretty scary. So I went and got a job. Uh, my business partner played poker actually for for a little bit. He was making you know kind of. Squeaking out a living playing poker. And I started working with this company that was pretty interesting. And, and I told him, hey, you should come work for this company with me. Uh, they're doing good things. And I think they're really growing. So he came and worked there. We were both mid level managers there. And, you know, they needed, uh, we were hiring a lot of people. So they needed staff. And we were hiring just a ton of people. You came in, you have a pulse, we're going to hire you, right? Um at, from our previous mortgage business, we'd had experience outsourcing and with virtual assistants in the Philippines. So we said, look, why don't we put together a plan where we set up a team in the Philippines for the company that we work for and see if they go for it? So we pitched our bosses, the CEO, CFO, and they said, let's do it. So we started basically setting up a team in the Philippines and outsourced some of the work. And that went really, really well. Uh over time, we said, look, why don't we just set up a company and we will become contractors for you. So they went for it, and we effectively resigned our jobs. And both of us moved out to the Philippines to start an outsourcing company, um, which sounds crazy, but it, it is doable. Uh, we were, you know, we had a bit of cash, not a ton of cash, but we had cash flow, and we had a contract that we could rely on to go out there and, and comfortably transition. and And so we started. You know, working and, and living in the Philippines. We'd already been out there a couple times over the, the two years we were setting that up to meet the team and to you know train them and do that kind of thing. So you know, we made the big jump and, and, and moved out there. Um, after that, we continued with our outsourcing company. They started to cut back on us a little bit. We were adding new clients and eventually got to the point where they cut out on us completely. So we had these extra employees uh, that were well-trained, that knew how to do just a bunch of things online in terms of SEO and we said, we don't want to lay them off. Like, it would suck. Like, they're really good. They've been great with our company. What can we do with them? So we tried a couple of things, and we started building these websites with AdSense and, and Amazon and that kind of thing, and, and we made them profitable. They would make, you know, 50 bucks a month, 100 bucks a month. And over time, we realized that was a pretty good move. And, and you know, to, front, to basically fund growing more to get it up to scale, we started selling those websites off. So we realized that for, you know, let's say a four hundred dollar a month website, we could sell that for six thousand, eight thousand, ten thousand dollars. People were willing to buy these mini assets to add to their portfolio and we were great at creating them. So we started to scale the team and continued selling off uh, these websites. And eventually, you know, we, there was so much demand from people looking to buy these sites that we allowed others to sell their sites with us. So that's, that's basically how we got into the brokerage and, and how we got to where we are today. Sorry, a bit of a long story, but that's, that's the background.
0: <laughs> that's all right. Um, I read elsewhere that you've come up with a system to consistently create uh, these niche sites um From scratch to what you mentioned fifty dollars to a couple hundred per month uh, in Adsense income can you can you walk me through some of those steps?
1: Yes, yeah, so this was you know two thousand ten, two thousand and eleven, mm-hmm. and we just had a process in place where we would do keyword research. Uh, we would build out these sites that would target a very specific niche. So I'm going to say blue ski boots, for example. And so we would target this very specific and narrow niche and build content around it, and then get it ranked in the search engines. And it was relatively easy to do at the time, um, at least following our process. And then over time, it became less and less profitable. So where to start? You know, it cost us maybe forty dollars uh, to build one site. And by the way, we were building hundreds of these things. Over time, we built several thousand of these. So costs us maybe forty dollars uh, to create on average we'd sell that website somewhere between two hundred and two hundred and fifty dollars and you know really we 'd have big winners that we'd sell for like five thousand we'd have a whole bunch of you know dollar fifty you know a month earners so the big ones were really paying for the small ones and uh, over time though that started to narrow so. Our costs were instead of 40 bucks per site created, it'd be 50, 55 bucks. And instead of selling for a little over $200, it got down to maybe 110, 120. And so at that point, that's when we started realizing hey, uh, you know, We should probably let other people sell their sites with us. We have a hungry audience. We're not as profitable selling our own sites. Why don't we let other people in to start selling their sites and we'll basically broker the deal. We'll bring the people together. We know a whole bunch of people in the industry that are building profitable sites. Why don't we match them up? And It's interesting because at first, we were really resistant to the idea. Say, for example, that you have a product that you're selling and it's going really well. And, you know, the idea comes up to allow your competitors to come and sell their very similar products with you, right? That's, that's a scary prospect. So we resisted the idea of becoming brokers at first because our bread and butter was selling our own sites. Like, why would we want anyone else competing with us on our marketplace? And then when our sites were less profitable... That, that kind of, it opened the door back up for us to become brokers. Rather than just selling our own sites, why don't we let other people come on our platform and we can start to move up the value chain? Where, whereas our sites were selling for $2,000, $3,000, you know, there were people that had $20,000, 40000 $150,000 sites that they wanted to sell. And as long as we can continue to support them with the buyers, why not?
0: I see. So it's a more scalable model.
1: That's right. So yeah. we can you know, continue to grow up and move up the value chain by allowing people to sell larger sites. The other thing is, is there's a hit-and-miss process that comes with building sites from scratch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, th- for whatever reason, as good as we were getting at our process in building these sites, we still would have a bunch of losers. And so what we found is why not just take the people that have already found the winners, they've already found the gold, why not allow them to sell on our platform? And everyone else who's struggling or, you know, the misses, the, even the, the good builders, uh, they have misses too. We don't have to deal with any of that. So we're looking at the sites that have popped up, you know, the poppies that, you know, pop above the rest and sell those mm-hmm. off to people that are interested in these assets. And and there, there's a ton of money out there looking for, uh, you know, these... Any cash flows. A, a site making two, three, four, five thousand $5,000 a month is a hot commodity right now online.
0: So a big part of the game is just uh, testing different ideas rather than just betting everything on, on one horse? What you in
1: terms of, bu- in terms of building the like, sites? In
0: terms of building out the online businesses and making them profitable, right?
1: I think so. I think to start, it's a good idea to take somewhat of a shotgun approach, try a few different things. But once you get something that's working, I really think it's better to drop the others and really double down on that. So if you've got a process that's working, if you've got something in your business that's starting to take off, I think that it's easy to get distracted by all of the other maybe side incomes or side hustles you have going on. I'll I'll give you an example. In 2014, uh, especially at the beginning of 2014, Joe and I still had our outsourcing company. We had products and services we were selling to our audience. We were selling like keyword research packages, and people could order content from our writers, and they would edit it. They could order, you know, domain research and all these different products that we offered. And, you know, at the at the best, they were probably bringing in about ten, twelve thousand dollars a month, and on the off months, maybe four to six thousand dollars a month. So these were nice profit streams for our company. And we decided in 2014 that our biggest and best option was the brokerage. Everything else was, you know, taking mindshare, taking uh, time and effort away from what we should really be doing. So we sold off our outsourcing company. We just dropped all the products and services we were selling. We gave away some of the smaller projects we had, like uh, um, our WordPress plugin and we gave away Twitter, uh, which was another small business that we had. And we either gave it away or sold it. It and really doubled down the brokerage and, and you know q three q four of two thousand and fourteen it was kind of undetermined on how that would play out. We were taking a gamble, and if you look at two thousand and fifteen, especially q one and q two we 've absolutely crushed it I think we 've more than doubled our monthly sales um, heading into q one q two we had our best month ever uh, this last June, we did over $500,000 in website sales. So it's wow. going really, really well. But we, d- we didn't know necessarily that would pay off, um, but it, it really did. And I think, you know, it's easy to get distracted. You know, like you start off and when you're just starting off. You're thinking, I want multiple income streams. I want to kind of diversify my income and I want to have a little more stability. I want to have options. But as you start to grow, you realize that that takes away your focus, and if you have something that really is taking off it's going to be clear and evident, so dropping anything that's taking you away from kind of that thing that's that's really working, I, I think is a good move and I waffle on this sometimes it, I think it is good to to try out new things and, and other times it's good to kind of go back and forth it's i think it's a fluid process as an entrepreneur
0: it's, it's really tough as entrepreneurs because we have so many different ideas you know that we write down and and sometimes we just get married to different ideas and uh, just just being able to focus on one thing is just so hard for us. you know we always want to move on to the next thing or the next project um, but I just want to clarify that before you you launched your current iteration of your brokerage I mean this was three or four years in the making right you you started out with just a, a basic your basic iteration was a blog and then you launched a podcast after that um, so it wasn 't near the form that it is now right
1: oh absolutely not we had <laughs> uh, i think oh, let 's let 's be totally clear about this so okay. Uh, our first logo we got from Fiverr for $5. <laughs> I think we had three people do it. So we paid 15 bucks and went with the one that was the least shitty. Uh, um, and then – so that was our logo. Um, our site was just some kind of like WordPress theme we picked up for fifty bucks or whatever. And we started doing kind of monthly reports, and we started very transparently talking about exactly what we do. Here's how we build the sites, start to finish. We didn't hold back. We didn't put it in an ebook for you know nineteen ninety five. We just put it all out there in content, exactly what we're doing and how we're doing it. And we figured, you know, at that point, it was a side project for us. We didn't really care. And so, like, this was the kind of business that I wished I would have built, and I didn't feel comfortable doing with the outsourcing company. That was our bread and butter. So messing with that sounded way too scary. But with a side project, why not? Right? I can do income reports on a monthly basis. I can be completely transparent about what our business is up to and how we're doing and how we do it. And it doesn't matter because it's a side project. And that blew up. So, you know, it started with just our blog, and we started getting traction there. Um, I talked to some buddies of ours. They run the tropical NBA podcast and, uh, we kind of told our story to them. We met them in the Philippines and, uh, You know, they were like, God, you guys should start a podcast. It'd be amazing. So we're like, "Ah, I don't know. We don't really listen to podcasts. That sounds weird. So uh, we went back, we listened to some podcasts, and we said, I think we can do this. Like, you know, they were great podcasters at the time. And I went back and listened to their first couple of episodes and realized they weren't great when they started. (laughs) They weren't very good at all. And so I said, okay, they're great now. They started and they were kind of sucky. I think we can probably do better. I think we can probably get there. So we started a podcast that, Um, It was really hacked together and we just kind of put it on the blog um, and we rolled it out. The first websites we sold, our marketplace was based on a spreadsheet that was basically turned into a form on the site and it, it looked like a Google Doc. It was basically a Google Doc where you could click the link and send us a payment that was that was our marketplace, so it was really basic. I mean we didn't have you know a ton of uh, development and design going into this. it was bare bones
0: <laughs> and and so how did you reach uh, the buyers and sellers mostly through the blogging and the podcast uh, yeah, you, so when we started other marketing channels, you tried uh,
1: yeah, so when we were starting uh you know, talking about kind of how we build the sites and everything. And then we would talk about how initially we weren't selling them through ourselves. We were selling them through Flippa. And we talked about those Flippa sales. And then we had buyers that asked us. They said, look, every time you list on Flippa, you know, there's like a dozen copycats that pops up because you know, the domain's out there. Everyone sees everything. And they see these, these sites that you're building. They're profitable. So everyone tries to copy them. So they said, hey, can you just sell it to us privately? We had a couple of buyers ask us, Can you sell it to us privately without sharing the domain? We're like, huh? That's interesting, and and honestly, protecting our buyers seemed like a pretty good idea. So, why don't we start selling privately um, through our marketplace? So. I think just kind of talking about it through our blog and and ultimately our podcast kind of drove attention from people that were interested in buying and selling. I didn't worry so much about whether it was the exact audience of just buyers or or sellers. People that were kind of in the wanting to build web asset space was our audience. And whether they were customers or just fans of the blog or podcast, I didn't really care. And and what I realized now, I didn't know it at the time, but I realize now is that by you know, appealing to that group overall and not just talking about buying and selling sites. We, you know, maybe they weren't customers, but they would tweet our stuff. They would mention us, right? They would, you know, uh, mention us on Facebook. They would, you know, give us iTunes reviews. So we were providing them a ton of value, not expecting anything from them, not putting anything behind a paywall. And people paid for that by, you know, sharing us and helping us get the word out. So, um, initially it was that it was doing the content. It was definitely building an email list. I think that helped, right? It drives people back to your site. And the other thing we did, and this is pretty methodical, but we, uh, my business partner and I, we had a spreadsheet and we had targets. So there were other bloggers in our space that we wanted to connect to, we wanted to connect with. So we would go and on a regular basis, we would leave a few comments on this site, a few comments on that site, and try to connect with these other people in the space. And what that did was that gave us an opportunity to, they would notice us, that we were there regularly, and we'd start communicating via email or via Twitter or whatever. And then maybe we'd have them on our podcast or, you know, we'd start, you know, having some calls with them. And it, it got us to the point where we could, you know, we were promoting their stuff because we liked it. We would only do it with people we liked, and they were promoting ours. So we were able to kind of draft each other um, and and kind of come up together, I guess, is a good way to put it. And I would say we did that with guys like TropicalMBA.com, I'd say uh, Spencer over at NichePursuits.com, um, a little bit with uh, Pat Flynn from SmartPassiveIncome.com, although I'm not sure we helped him as much as he helped us. I think he gave us a couple of mentions early on that really helped us um, get some new audience. So, you know, people like that, I think we were able to help each other out and, and build audience together.
0: That's great. So you're basically just uh, publishing content, putting out value, um, and then the opportunities kind of just started to develop as as you went, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, ultimately, this wasn't our bread and butter. This wasn't our moneymaker. Like, our outsourcing company really drove that. So... You know, our idea with this was, look, we don't need to monetize. We don't really need to make money with this. Um, You know, why don't we try to get up to scale as quickly as possible? So if we could in any way... Uh, skip out on the short-term money and build long-term value, that's the better play. Because we knew that this is going to be a big part of our business later. We, we, we thought and we hoped that it would be a big part of our business later. So And we don't need the cash today from it. You know, The outsourcing company was paying the bills. So at any point, if we can reinvest either goodwill or actual cash back into that business, that would be the better move. And, and it, it you know, ended up paying off. And I, I recommend that to other people, too. If they're starting out a business and they don't need that to, let's say, keep the lights on and they can reinvest their money and their time into really building it to scale, either building audience, building a customer base, uh, building out the product. I think there's, there's value in that.
0: So a big part of just the long-term uh, equity is just extending your reach far and just just building that rabid fan base or you know, loyal uh, audience
1: yeah, that's – it's a little counterintuitive too because, mm-hmm. you know, you hear you know about the lean startup movement. Yeah. You know, you hear – you know, my buddy Dan Norris uh, did a book called The 7-Day Startup. And what's interesting with him, you know, he has a book called The 7-Day Startup. And it's interesting. Like he – He's got a really compelling story on why you should launch quickly and get something out there and start selling. But I think even with him, and, and you know, this is just the way it worked out for him, but he had built this huge audience through his content marketing that allowed him to have the success he had when he launched his seven-day business. So because right. he'd been doing content marketing for <laughs> years, he had an audience that basically loved him. They loved the content he were putting out. And, and like I, I'm one of them. I was rooting for him. It's like, Dan, you know, please do something that like, makes sense and you know, has some, some market appeal. And, and then he did it and he had you know, people fall in line. So I would say that there is real value in uh, putting value out there and building an audience, building a tribe, um, and then testing out different businesses. And, and you know not taking you know, a year in development or anything like that, but definitely putting the content out there and building a tribe first, there's value in that. It's not the only way to do it, but it's one way that does work.
0: So, so once you, you put in the hardware to build the platform, then you have a basically a captive audience to test these different product ideas, to create different MVPs that would be of interest to them, and you're getting active feedback from your your target market, basically, about what they're interested in.
1: Yeah, you don't even have to guess. Like yeah. you know, uh, a lot of times in our business, the only reason we did it is because our you know our audience was beating us over the head with it. Like you know, for example, selling directly to uh, to website buyers, we didn't want to do that. We were selling on Flippa, and we were going that route, and it just seemed to make sense. And and people, several buyers mentioned to us, "Hey, we would buy from you directly. Hey, we might even pay you more." Like, hey, you don't even have to tell us the URL, please. Can you do it this way? And finally, we said, oh yeah, that's a pretty good move. We for for months we had uh, sellers asking us, hey, can I sell on your platform? And we were like, ah, oh, I don't want them competing with us directly. Maybe that's not a good idea. And over time, there were so many requests for it, and the the interest was so strong on the buy side that we finally relented. So yeah, I think when you have an audience uh, and you know it's big and they're engaged they're going to beat you over the head with what they want. They're going to tell you what you need to deliver for them. It makes it a lot easier.
0: <laughs> so so basically, you are not your customer as well, um, right? Because you, you might not think that they would be interested in this, but they they keep beating you over the head about it, like you said.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, you know? that's an interesting point. Um, sometimes I'm my own customer, and sometimes I'm dense, I guess, and I just don't <laughs> see it, you know? Like, you, you think you know... What is best for your business until you, yeah. your potential customers or actual customers tell you otherwise, and then everything's out the window. And mm-hmm. and that's one of the things I think as an entrepreneur is you have to be like not prideful. No, this is what they want, and no, I need to focus on this. You don't know, like you just don't know what they want. Um, and so I, I, you know, we remind ourselves that now when we're doing let's say a redesign or we're changing the listing pages or something, we're making changes to the site or something. We're like, well, you know, I think this is gonna work better. and We said, well, we really don't know. Let's let's put it out and see what the reaction is, and we'll adjust from there. That seems to be a better approach.
0: <laughs> All right, so tell me about some of the websites that you vetted through Empire Flippers. Uh, you mentioned Flippa uh, earlier, and I, I've spent a good deal of time on Flippa, and it's kind of like the Wild Wild West. Uh, but, but what makes your site different is that you guys actually have a vetting process that you vet these websites for quality. And you mentioned that you discover things in the websites that you look at and you apply them to your own business. Uh, What are some of the things that make up these successful websites and uh, what have you learned from this?
1: So it's interesting. You know, Flippa is kind of the eBay for buying and selling websites. Mm. And I think they're really strong or where they they do a a lot of business at least is on the low end of the market. So, you know, anything from a site that's not earning any money, that's just kind of a, you know... um, a templated site ready to go up to sites making a couple hundred dollars a month. That's kind of their bread and butter. The thing is, is that anyone can list, they don't do any kind of checks. So if you have a site that's inaccurate in terms of what it earns or, Anything, like you can go to Flippin, you can list and sell the site there potentially. So because of that, you know, they end up getting a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, trickery going on. There's people that are happy to list there. Um, our idea, and and this is something that was born out of experience, is it's frustrating, right? Having to dig through a lot of crap to find the ones that kind of make the most sense, and we said, "Look, I think we could do a better job of curating sites that are legitimate, have actual earnings, have traffic, and vetting those sites." Now, you know what we can't do is say that you know it's full on due diligence. You don't have to worry when you buy a site from Empire Flippers. Uh, for one, it's just not true. Like we're working on behalf of the seller; we're a seller's agent. So, you know, you the buyer is always responsible for their own due diligence. But our thought was that. We can make a marketplace that's just a lot cleaner, that you don't have to dig so deep to find a site that's a good fit for you. And, you know, buyers and sellers both have responded uh, really positively. In terms of of sites that uh, we're seeing that are working, I mean, I can tell you some niches that I think are interesting. Um, We see a lot of Amazon affiliate sites. Those are pretty common. Um, And so Amazon affiliate sites, for anyone who's listening is not familiar, it's basically a site that's, let's say it's around a type of workout equipment, right? And so it has reviews of these types of workout equipment, does uh, this versus that uh, blog posts and, and articles. And it has links to Amazon, and so people go through those links. And if they buy that piece, or actually anything on Amazon within a certain time frame, you're going to get credit for it, and you'll get a percentage of that sale, anywhere from four to, let's say, eight and a half percent. So it's a site that's basically driving people to Amazon to go buy stuff, and very specific things usually. And so we've seen sites in the uh, that are selling higher price items uh, do pretty well. A lot of times. And, and your percentage with Amazon is based on volume. So, you know, if you're selling high volumes, then you're going to get a higher percentage. So a lot of times uh, sellers will be taking advantage or buyers will be taking advantage of that scale. So they'll see a site for sale and they'll find out that the current seller is only at 5 5.5% five on Amazon. And they're already at 8 8.5%. Eight so they're going to get a big bump just buying the site right? They're going to make a, a lot more money by just putting, adding it to their portfolio and their Amazon earnings. So that's a great way to get an initial boost beyond what the seller is claiming already as revenue. Um, other interesting businesses, we've seen some interesting uh, lead generation sites in the medical education niche. And what I mean by that are, you know, there in the U.S., there are a ton of for-profit institutions that will teach you dentistry or, you know, some kind of medical technician. Uh, job. And so those for-profit institutions make a lot of money on the students that pay to go there. And so they're willing to pay a lot of money per lead. So there are companies out there like Campus Explorer. uh, Another one is Quinn Street. And what these companies do is they'll pay you as a publisher to drive leads to their network of uh, institutions. So if I've got a site about, you know, some kind of tech school, right, and it covers California and Oregon or whatever, and I get people coming to the site looking for information, and they fill out their information, their name, their phone number, their email address, that kind of thing, um, Street is willing to pay me for that lead. So let's say they pay me $40 per lead. Well, they've already got, you know, thousands of educational institutions on the back end that are probably paying, let's say, on average $100 for that lead. So they're basically middlemaning between the publisher... And the educational institutions that want these people to come to their school and pay them thousands of dollars over the next few years. So they're doing the middlemaning. And you'd make more money as a publisher if you went straight to those schools directly and set up the deal. But that's a heck of a lot of work. Uh, it's a lot easier, especially when you're starting off, to use one of the third parties. Even though they're taking some some of that money, they're also providing a pretty nice service where you're not constantly on the phone trying to set up deals with the uh, the schools.
0: So how do you vet a good uh, opportunity when it comes to uh, uh, providing leads to companies like that? Because um, I know there's a bunch of them out there. I, I get approached all the time um, by people saying, you know, I'll give you $100 per lead for this or that. Um, but I, it's, it's hard to determine whether it's actually an opportunity that I want to pursue.
1: So generally the people that are going to reach out to you, and this is not always true, but generally true. The people that are going to reach out to you are not the ones you are going to want to go with. Um, I, I wouldn't want to go with a company that's that's promising to pay me per lead that isn't fairly well known. I mean, they could obviously be taking those leads and, you know, not paying me or, or causing me all kind of problem. So I, I want to go with someone right. that's established. In that particular space, I know that Quinn Street and Campus Explorer are particularly good. We see a lot of sites that are, you know, using them as a third party. And I'm not shilling for them. I, I don't particularly care, you know, which you use or whatever. It doesn't matter to me. I'm just saying that, that you know, they, they tend to work and they do pay out well. Um,
0: yeah, so it's a very, a very specialized niche, obviously. But, um, <laughs> I, I mean, just, just in my own niche, you know, like I, I have those, those same, you know, doubts whether um, are these people actually going to pay me? Are they going to track, you know, the leads I send them? Uh, you know, how, how is, there just seems to be a lot of questions regarding that.
1: Yeah, I think that helps too. So if you're working with a bigger company, let's say Amazon Affiliate Program or AdSense, Google AdSense or something, like they're, you know, I know some people get really conspiratorial about it, but, you know, AdSense, Google actually is not in the business of trying to screw you out of your $800 a month on your AdSense site. Like they're so big that, yeah, maybe. Yeah, it, they've just—it's a pretty well-oiled machine. So they're not coming after you or trying to cause you problems or hide your money. It's very unlikely. Same thing with Amazon. Same thing with Quinn Street. Actually, they're a publicly traded company. They're awfully large. They a few years ago bought up a bunch of like the personal finance blogs for millions of dollars. So they've got serious cash. They're not trying to screw you. Whereas if you're working with one of the smaller players, let's say you know ABC Lead Company or whatever and you know you don't really know. Are they going to be around? Are they going to stay in business? Is this someone you want to build your business through? Um, so you're going to want to do a little bit of research on the company that you're considering going with just to make sure that they've got a good reputation, that they pay out, that you know most people don't have problems, um, and that you know, it works and that's someone you can grow with.
0: I see. Yeah, because I've heard from other uh, bloggers uh, who have told me you know, horror stories of people like scamming them out of money and stuff like that. And um it's just, it's just good to know, you know, how you can protect yourself against
1: that. Yeah, I think, uh, well, there's just a ton of, of scams when it comes to doing anything online, right? So you, yeah. you always have to be conscious and wary of that, I think. Um, but when it comes to, you know, getting paid out from some of the larger companies, I mean, they, they do it on a pretty regular basis. It's, it's something you can bank on. The, the other thing to consider, too, is that, Here's the problem, right? If you're going to sell your website and say it makes $5,000 a month, you're going to get $100,000 to $120,000 for it, right? Um, And you're going to sell it. If you're going with some small kind of rinky-dink operation that's the one paying you for the leads, uh, any buyers are going to be pretty wary about buying that site, right? That's a warning sign. That's a red flag. Um, whereas if you're using a major company, let's say you're, it's an Amazon affiliate site, like anyone can apply for an Amazon affiliate account. They're relatively easy to get. Most people are familiar with Amazon. There's a ton of people that have Amazon affiliate sites. So working with a well-known platform it just makes your business more sellable. It may be difficult to sell if you're working you know, with a very small uh, lead provider or affiliate uh, company.
0: I see. Um, let's, let's move on. So, tell me a little bit more about your time uh, when you were going in and flipping websites. Uh, when, when you personally went onto Flippa and purchased a website and, and flipped it, uh, what did you do to go in and increase its value? And uh, what was the, the maturation period between the, when you bought it and when you sold it?
1: So one of the things we did is when we were building these sites, we were building from scratch. We didn't do a lot of actual flipping. We bought a okay. few sites and sold a few sites. Um, and I can talk a bit more about that in a minute because we're, we're starting to get more into that now uh, through mm-hmm. this program that we have. But um, we were building from scratch. And so our entire business model was based on a process. So there was no customization whatsoever. And I think that is kind of what led to our success. Like if we were trying to, you know, determine a kind of a growth plan for every individual site that we were building and we were building, you know, dozens every week, like there would have been absolutely no way we could have done that at at any kind of scale, um, not with our team. So, you know, I think part of our success was having a, a machine, basically a factory that could build sites on a regular basis. Now, That was what was needed for these smaller sites. It just wouldn't make any sense to try to put all this customization into small sites. Now, something we're working on now is, and this sounds crazy after we just talked about the, you know, be careful trusting people online. But we've we've been out there for for years now and we're very transparent in kind of what's going on with our business and, and how it works. So we started a tester program where basically we were taking on portfolio type investors. So these are people with plenty of cash. But that don't want to deal with having to go to GoDaddy and find a domain name and try to build the site from scratch or buy a site that's already running and learn how to you know order content from Textbroker and figure out you know, how to target keywords and do all that work. They they just don't have time for that. Maybe they have uh, you know several other businesses, uh, business interests. They've got quite a few investments and. In, You know, messing with an AdSense site is just not in their wheelhouse or interests. But they do have the money and they like the idea of getting involved in these online businesses. So, you know, that's that's on the spectrum of, you know, on the one end you have people with lots of time and no money and the people with lots of money and no time, those are the people we were targeting for this. So we said, (laughs) look, we've got experience in this. You guys have a bunch of money and no time. Why don't we do it for you? here's the deal. You know, We see a ton of businesses coming across. Why don't we select businesses that we think would be a good match for the portfolio? Uh, we'll buy them up on your behalf and then manage them kind of like a property management company would. So the deal was, we said, look, we'll give you, and this is of net, right? We'll give you 70% and we'll keep 30% ourselves. We'll lock you up for a period of time um, and build out a portfolio for you. And And we just started doing this recently. We had our first investor that came on for $125,000. And then we are just in the process of kind of wrapping up um, a round, I guess you could call it, uh, which is assuming that the rest of the money comes in by the end of this week, it should be just about $800,000 for this portfolio. So we've got, I think it's four or five guys that are sending us $800,000 uh, on the internet, which is pretty weird, but um, and I know we're in Southeast Asia. Like I'm in Bangkok. My business partners in Manila right now. We're we talk about it very clearly, but it seems pretty crazy. Anyway, um, you know their their ideas. Like they don't have the time to do it. They they trust our expertise, and they're willing to do a pilot program uh, on this with us. And so we know that the returns in this space. Can be ridiculous, I mean, if you figure just just consider this right you buy a business at uh, you know let 's say one hundred thousand dollars it makes five thousand dollars a month in net profit I mean at the end of a year it 's made a sixty percent return right assuming assuming no growth you haven 't grown it hasn 't gone away there it 's just flat even. Uh, you've made a 60% return on your investment. So investors like to hear that. Now, now website buyers and sellers are kind of like, okay, you know, it is what it is. But from an investment perspective, that's ridiculously good. Yeah. Now, there's a whole bunch of risks. So it's not like, you know, this isn't your blue chip stock that you're investing in, right? It could, the site could go to shit right? It could double in the next two years. So there there are lots of options. But assuming nothing happens and it stays even, you get a 60% return. So there's a whole lot of margin, a whole lot of profit to work with. And we can get a piece of that. Our investors can get a piece of that. And and that's what we're testing out right now. So we'll see how it goes. We, the investors we have are, uh, by for all intents and purposes, very accredited. They've got plenty of cash. This is kind of, uh, you know, I'll throw a couple hundred thousand dollars at it and see what happens. And so, you know, if we can give them a return over the next 6 months, 12 months, 18 months, I have, you know, uh, no doubt that we'll be able to write, raise a ton more money, institutional money, and really roll this out next year. If things go well, I think we could probably put together $5 million in a portfolio um, in 2016. So, we're, we're really encouraged by the initial kind of interest. Now it's up to us to see if we can execute and, and deliver these investors a return if we can. Uh, sky's the limit for this program, I think.
0: That's fantastic. So you work directly with these investors? Uh, what, what, kind of, what kind of investors are they? Are these like firms that you're working with?
1: No, individuals. Um, okay. We've talked to uh, hedge fund guys. And we've talked to a fund of fund guy. Um, mm-hmm. And this is kind of outside of my uh, wheelhouse. We have a guy, our, our marketplace manager, uh, is in the finance space. And so he speaks their language a bit better than I do. But you know, we've talked to some of those guys, but it's just too small at this point for them. They, you know, like they'd like to do 5 million, right? They'd like to do 10, 20, 30 million. That's when it gets interesting to them. And so that's just too big for us. At this point, we don't have the team to where I think we could honestly – Put together, a five million dollar portfolio and it would take us too long, and we need to grow into that. So, we said, Look, we'll come back, <laughs> we'll, we'll come back and talk to you again. Um, with a track record, those guys would be absolutely happy to give us the money without maybe, but it's not, it doesn't move the needle if that makes sense. Like, it's you know, if they've got a let's say you've got a 300 million dollar portfolio, you know, one two million dollars just doesn't make a lot of sense, like, you don't care about that, right? So, even if it just Completely blew up and did extremely well it 's not going to make a huge difference in the overall portfolio, so I think we 're going to go back to those guys right now we 're talking to individual investors these are guys that have uh, maybe they have a couple of businesses or they 're you know limited partners in a couple of businesses they 've got a few million dollars in investments already um, and you know when they 're you know, let 's say they 're worth three to five million dollars and they 're looking to put one hundred two hundred thousand dollars in this as a tester like this is the kind of thing where you know they can go to the country club and brag to their buddies about how they made this crazy seventy percent return last year on this investment that kind of thing <laughs> right like you 're smoking cigars in the uh, scotch lounge and you're you 're telling about this crazy little deal with these weirdos in Southeast Asia that made them a bunch of money so that 's the kind of guys that that we 're dealing with right now and i yeah. think I think if we can make it work for them, then I think it could really blow up. but we have our work in front of us because. You know, the one part was seeing if people were interested in this, and that's been proven. But the second part is like us actually executing and delivering for those investors. And that's that's what we're we're working on now. This is actually closed off. We're and that was one of the things we wanted to do too, is stop like no more money in, right? Because you have this problem where, okay, we're trying to bring more money in, and then we're trying to do all the work on the sites, and that gets confusing. So we said, let look, let's just put the money together and then shut it off. And we'll shut it off for let's say six months. And just do the work, just do the the execution, and focus on that, so we can deliver. And then, okay, if things are going well, then we'll open it back up again, and and see what we can do the, the second time around.
0: Yeah, well, I was just thinking how how us uh, little people, normal people, could uh, take advantage of this opportunity uh, without. Maybe we're not members of the country club yet. Uh, so <laughs> you guys, like you know, maybe maybe if we got together some friends and, and pooled together our resources, then we could start you know taking advantage of these opportunities
1: yes so that's yeah. so that 's interesting, and I think mm-hmm. here 's the thing too we 're trying to do this and at this scale it 's kind of interesting, but at five million ten million twenty million it gets like massive right it 's big it 's big business but I think anyone can do this it 's not just us, and I think you can do this on a smaller scale too so let 's say for example that you have i don 't know ten thousand dollars or something, but you have family or friends you that have a bit more money and you have some experience with running profitable sites. you could say you have a few right now and And you're pretty confident that you can pick and and find the sites to work, and you get someone to put in, let's say, you know, ninety thousand dollars. So you're ten thousand dollars to their ninety, and you put in on a hundred thousand dollar package, right? So maybe you keep fifty percent, maybe you keep forty percent of the profit. But you're at the point now where maybe you could make if at forty percent, you're making, um, uh, well, on a hundred thousand dollar package, makes five thousand dollars. So you're going to make. Um, two thousand dollars a month, right? In profit, they're making you know three thousand. If you split it even, even uh, 50-50, you you're talking twenty-five hundred dollars a month. You put in ten thousand dollars, you're making twenty-five hundred dollars a month, and you're giving your investor twenty-five hundred dollars a month. So, I mean, twenty-five hundred bucks a month for someone kind of you know just trying this out. Let's say you've got a little business. Let's say you're in Chiang Mai or Saigon or something like that. You're making two, three, four, five thousand dollars a month right now. You try this out and it's working really well. That's something you can continue to scale and your investors would be willing to do a second time with you, a third time. You could add new people, especially after you can show 12 months, 24 months of a track record. So it doesn't have to be $5 million investment pools. <laughs> you can do this on a $100,000 deal. You could do this on forty, fifty $50,000 deals. The only thing is, when you're talking about let's say a forty or fifty thousand dollar deal, you're kind of you're going to have to do a forty or fifty thousand probably on one deal. Um, if you try to diversify the portfolio at fifty thousand, you're talking like five or six thousand dollar sites. You can do that, but you're just going to have to have a whole bunch of them to kind of make it you know, make sense. Um, and when I talk about diversification, I'll, I'll actually I'll give you a link to a podcast episode we did on this, but we called it the uh, the lifestyle Larry approach to you know portfolio diversification, which which basically means like you need to diversify your portfolio against uh, traffic. So, you don't want all of your traffic coming from organic. If 90% of your traffic is organic and there's something, some problem with your sites, you know, they lose ranking or you penalize or something, it could be pretty painful. You don't want, you know, uh, most of your earnings coming from one platform. So, if 90% of your earnings are all from Amazon affiliate, and Amazon, and this has happened, uh, changes the rules in your state and they're no longer allowing you know, people in your state to do business, whatever state that you're, you know, a corporation in, that could seriously hurt your income. If ads, you know, shut you down for whatever reason, they could be really painful. So you want to diversify against traffic and monetization. The third thing, and this is a little smaller, is, you know, you don't want all of your sites to be, let's say, um, in the pool, Uh, niche, right? Or something that's all related to summer um, because you're going to have some seasonality bumps. So you may do really well May, June, July, and really, really poorly January, February, March. And that's okay, but you may want to not have all of your sites be hot summer Sites or you know hot you know winter sites and then kind of suck the rest of the year. So you know the third and I'd say a smaller thing is you want to diversify against uh, uh, seasonality, but mostly traffic and monetization I think are important.
0: Well, that's fantastic advice, and I think that anyone listening to this—I mean, there's, there's quite a few of us who have you know ten thousand uh, dollars tucked away in the bank, and virtually all of us know like a, a wealthy you know partner that we could bring in a wealthy patron maybe a rich uncle that, you know, maybe doesn't know a lot about this uh, uh, website brokering, um, you know, who could help pitch in the the other 90%, as you said, and um, you could start building your own portfolio, right?
1: yeah I think so. I think that you know if you 're able to bring some people in and, and you have to be really upfront with them and, and your skill sets and mm-hmm. obviously tell them like look here's here 's what I want to do here 's how I think it will work um, you know here 's my experience so far i 'd love to to get involved with this and they 're willing to do it, then you can start testing through it yourself and Obviously, if you can make it work with that person, they'd be happy, to, you know, to do it again, and and you know, I'm sure they'll tell their friends and more of your family, and, and you can you know, kind of build out a portfolio that way, and you can be a partial owner. So, there's all kinds of ways to do deals. See, that's the other thing to consider is that. It's somewhat hard to borrow money to buy these types of businesses. It's still kind of new. It is a bit of the Wild West in this industry. Uh, But you can do small business loans. Um, One thing that's, I think, most interesting is a lot of times sellers, to get the deal done, will offer seller financing. So this isn't common at like a $20,000 site, but you you get over $100,000 and you'll see this where... You know they'll do either an earnout or they'll let you take a loan, sometimes with no interest. So let's say you're buying a two hundred thousand dollar site, maybe they'll let you pay fifty or sixty thousand of that over the next twelve months. They'll let you pay it back, and you can pay it back out of profits. Sometimes they'll do a profit share with you. Sometimes they'll even drop the price of the site. Let's say it's a hundred thousand dollar site, and they'll retain twenty percent equity and give you a fifteen percent deal. Uh, you know twenty fifteen twenty twenty five percent deal off the price of the property, so there's all different ways you can structure a deal to make it make sense and that's where you know brokers like us come in is that we know what the seller wants and we know what you know the buyer is trying to get and we can kind of make deals where they might not have been able to do it otherwise.
0: I feel like this is such an emerging opportunity um, you know buying websites and, and increasing your portfolio of websites. Um, much more so than real estate or offline properties, stocks, um, and I, I feel like the opportunities are only going to expand and, and multiply as we go forward, right? Well, I mean, if you
1: if you're buying stocks, right, you you generally have no real say in how Amazon or Google run their company, right? Like you, 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 it's, you completely kind of sit back and watch and and hope they do well. Whereas with this type of thing, I mean, you have a direct impact in the business that you're, you're dealing with. And so I think, I think it's an emerging market. We're really excited about it. And that's why we're we're really focused on, you know, kind of putting our money where our mouth is and, and our time and efforts where our mouth is and and start to, you know, build out these portfolios ourselves. And there are a bunch of other people that are in this space. Like, I, you know, I just started a new podcast with my buddy Ace Chapman. We, you know, he's a customer of ours. We're, we're friends we started a show called the web equity show where we talk about you know buying these online businesses and selling these online businesses and investing in them we talk about deal structure and, and all that stuff i think it's it's really interesting and and you know we're doing it at this kind of smaller scale i'm talking about you know 500,000 dollar sites and 100,000 dollar sites but this is, is definitely being done in the bigger space and i mentioned that company Quinn Street before they're a publicly traded company they're very large one of the interesting things they did a few years back um, is there were a whole bunch of personal finance bloggers that were out there talking about, you know, generating their wealth. And, you know, they have little charts on there showing how much in their savings and what their net worth is and kind of building that up over time. And what QuinStreet did uh, was quietly and kind of secretly go around and start buying these personal finance sites up. So if they had a certain traffic amount and they had, had generated enough traction, they were buying them for a million dollars, three million dollars, six million dollars, and they were putting them under contract where they couldn't—they didn't talk about it. So these these uh, these people that sold their kind of personal finance blogs continued blogging. They started putting new writers in place and started kind of expanding it out, but they'd sold. their their site to Quinn Street two years ago, a year or two ago. And so that's just, I think they're, they, within the last year or something, they came out of contract and so they're talking about it. But we're now finding out that Quinn Street went out and bought up, you know, millions and millions of dollars, of these personal finance blogs and started putting credit card offers on there, started like monetizing them the way that they know how. And so they're doing that on a much larger scale, maybe, I don't know how much they spent, I'm speculating now, but let's say $40 million, $50 million buying up these sites, you know, why can we not do that? for 40000 dollars, four hundred five hundred thousand dollars. I think it can be done as well. so and that's this is how the big boys, the big companies are making money. you know why can't we use that same model I think with these smaller uh, you know assets?
0: Well, that's fantastic Justin. Um, <laughs> so if you got a little bit of money to spend and um, you know you want to start building your online portfolio, Justin is the guy to talk to you for sure. you shared so much wealth uh, during this interview. Uh, Justin, I just want to thank you.
1: Thanks for having me on, Danny. I really appreciate it. I, you know, I'm talking fast. I just love this stuff, dude. Like, <laughs> I'm really into it. So, yeah, it's been it's been fun talking. I hope your audience gets some value. And if they're looking to kind of get into that, they want to know more. Yeah. Obviously, they can they can check out our site and and there's some some other people out there talking about it too. Ace Chapman, obviously, over at Web Equity Show, and and they can have a listen.
0: Yeah, you're definitely the expert in this space, and you know, you you definitely um, inspired me a little bit and. and I'm definitely interested to kind of look into this opportunity further myself. So I hope the – I'm sure the listener did as well. Um, I'd like you to tell me – let's just step back first. Like, tell me a little bit about your, your lifestyle. You mentioned before the call you've been hopping around and, and traveling a with your girlfriend. Are you just like fully nomadic now and what have you been up to?
1: Yeah, so um, I wasn't. I was in the Philippines up until uh, September 2014 and when I say there – you know i had a, i was renting a nice house i had a bunch of furniture i'd filled it up and and I would travel, right? I would go you know, other places in Southeast Asia and that kind of thing, and, and visit. But I had—I was home-based in the Philippines, and, and we had an office in Davao City with our outsourcing company. And so we were, you know, we were there. And then we sold our company in 2014, and, and everyone at that point was working from home or working remotely. And I realized I don't really have to do this anymore. I can kind of go wherever I want. And you know, I was—I was jealous of some of the people that had done that and done the travel. But the thing is, is I, I'm not a backpacker man. Like I just—I don't. I'm Older, you know, I'm 37. I don't do the kind of hostile thing, and I was like, ah, I'm not going to put a backpack on and start, you know, traipsing around Southeast Asia. That's just, I'm not going to Boeien and and Khao San Road and in, in Thailand. Like, that's just not my thing. But you know, I talked to some friends, and they were like, "Look, you can kind of do it the way you want like you know that 's part of you know, the lifestyle design thing is you can design what it, it doesn't have, you don 't have to be the backpacker dude. you can go do whatever you want and I was like okay that 's interesting. I can probably do this a, a little differently. So when I left, I left with my girlfriend and <laughs> originally my maid, so I had a maid that lived with me in the Philippines, and she would you know kind of take care of our stuff and and keep the house clean, and, and you know everything, and i said look i'm going we took big suitcases, and we brought our maid with us, and we started traveling, so we started traveling over southeast Asia, and I realized there are nice places you can stay like serviced apartments, you can you know rent nice airbnb places, um you know hotel rooms in a pinch you know for a shorter period of time, you can do that." And uh, you know, there's uh, you can do it differently than a backpacker, and so that's I think what was pretty interesting to for me to see. Um, so I, I, yeah, believe been, the,
0: I believe the term is flashpacker. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I've been I've been doing that since September 2014. Um, I've been in uh, you know Thailand. I've been through Cambodia, Vietnam. Um, right now, actually, I'm in Bangkok uh, with you. Actually, you're here in Bangkok with me. We're going to meet up, I think, this weekend. And I'm just here for a couple of weeks, and then uh, I'll be. Um, going back to Bali, uh, in a couple of weeks, my mom's gonna come visit. We're gonna do like a Southeast Asian tour. I was just there. We spent, um, our management team had a retreat. We, we hit our goal, um, uh, for three months in a row where we did over 300,000 sales. And so we told them we do kind of a blowout week in, in Bali. So we just got done with that. Um, you know, we do, uh, in the Philippines in May, June, we did a four-week kind of work retreat there where we all went there, uh, worked with our team in the Philippines. We've got our support team there, and we rented a villa and basically hung out there, worked together, lived together, and, uh, and got a lot done. So that went so well that we're going to do it again in um, – October, November, we're going to do it in Thailand for, I think, about four weeks. And we're going to meet up together and, and you know, uh, rent some condos or, or a villa and work together for four weeks in Thailand. So I think this would be a regular thing. I was just reading recently um, about how Buffer has done this. And I didn't know that. But apparently, uh, when they were even smaller, they would do like every five months and they would take a, a retreat. I think they only do a week. But they would take a retreat and they did places like Thailand, they did, I think, Australia, they've done New York. And as their team grows, it's getting bigger and crazier, but they continue to do these, these retreats because they're a remote team as well. So the problem with having everyone be remote is you know, there's some value in an office, there's some camaraderie that goes on, there's you know, not having to get on Skype and call someone, it's like, hey buddy, what's the deal with this, right? Um, and you're just talking, you're working together on a daily basis, and it's easy. And so you lose some of that when you have a remote team. Like I'm in Bangkok right now. My business partner's in Manila. We've got one of our guys in Saigon. And it just, you know, you lose something. So I think getting together every three or four months or so uh, and really working together, having some fun together, I think would be really valuable for a company. We're, we're just starting that. We've just done our second uh, uh, trip of doing that. We'll do our third in Thailand, and I think... Yeah, I really dig it. So, so my life right now, I guess personally, my life um, consists of traveling around where you know, ever it kind of interests me. Um, uh, meeting up with people. We've got you know podcast listeners and blog uh, readers in a bunch of different cities, especially the you know Bangkok and Ho Chi Minh and Hanoi and uh, Bali and, and these types of things. Chiang Mai, Manila. So you know, I'll go to these cities and kind of do meetups and, and do a dinner and. Have a couple of drinks and then go to the next city and kind of meet up some people there. It's it's good to kind of keep in contact with, you know, uh, other entrepreneurs and people that you know, buyers and sellers of ours and that kind of thing. And and then you know, obviously, getting our team together every few months and uh, putting something together for them to to work together out here in Southeast Asia is is pretty nice. Um, I, I'm a fan of the traveling thing. My business partner now is settling down. He's getting a place in Manila. He's going to be there maybe at least six months. So while I'm still doing the travel stuff, my business partner said, nope, I'm, I'm done. He wants the home base, man.
0: <laughs> so la- lastly, one thing I want to uh, touch on is you also offer an apprenticeship uh, for your business. I know that you you fly out um, workers, talented people from the U.S. and the U.K., Australia to come out and work for you. You, you provide uh, all their living expenses and uh, also a, a decent wage for Southeast Asia. Uh, higher than average for sure. Um, do you have any opportunities in the near future that, that you could tell people about?
1: I do, Danny. Funny you mention. Um, <laughs> so so yeah, so we do uh, this. We, we stole this. We completely ripped this off with their blessing uh, from the Tropical NBA guys. and They've done a couple dozen of these. And we actually thought it was a joke. We, we said, look, you're only going to get chumps like no one serious is going to do this kind of apprenticeship model. This is crazy. And then until we met a couple of their guys, and they were super sharp, wicked smart. And so we're like, this is kind of interesting. Like we get super sharp, talented people to come out here for relatively cheap. And they're doing amazing things for their business. And they're awesome. We're like, this is a pretty good deal. So we've done, I think we're on our fourth or fifth right now. And then we're going to do another one here really soon. So Right now, the people on our team, we've got um, Mike, who's our marketplace manager. He, he really helps out with sales and, and he's working on the investor program. Uh, we've got Andrew, uh, who's our listing manager. He works with our customer service team, handles uh, you know tier two support. and He also helps get our listings up every week, uh, make sure that you know, our team has all the information correct and everything. We've got Kenny, who's kind of our account manager. He is, um, you know, running the uh, sites for the investor program. So we've got some already on, for an individual investor. and We've got some of our own sites and he's running those and making the improvements to those. So, yeah, we've got a, a good team. And then, you know, obviously uh, Joe and I, we've got a position coming up. I want to hire a uh, content manager. So this is someone that will help me curate content from guest uh, posters. Um, will help me schedule Podcast interviews like this help me get other podcast interviewees uh, for our show. And probably help us produce the the podcast and and hopefully do some buyer and seller interviews with, uh, you know, buyers and sellers as they're buying the sites and even after they've purchased the sites or sold the sites. So, yeah, I think there's going to be a ton of value. I want a writer. I want someone who either at least listens to podcasts, but hopefully has been involved in podcasts. It's going to be someone. It's going to be a content position, and and the plan will be to have them come out here, hopefully meet up with us on our four week retreat in Thailand, which will be probably mid to late October through mid to late November. Um, so I should have that post out in the next couple of weeks. Um, and there will be an application process and everything. We get some really good talent uh, for these positions and I'm expecting the same. But, you know, basically the position will be, yeah, we'll, we'll take care of uh, room and board. And if we don't take care of that, then we'll pay you additional so that you can take care of that yourself. But we, we make the transition really easy. The goal is to get someone who... It can be good but and is interested in living and working in Southeast Asia, but it's a little maybe fearful to kind of like, you know, lessen that blow of, you know, first landing and kind of make it easy to transition. So that's one of the things we're looking to do. We also want someone that is interested in our team, wants to grow with us, and is kind of both interested in the lifestyle and the type of business we're building. So, yeah, man, it'll be out uh, next couple of weeks. So you can put a link in the show notes or so some people can check it out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We have some very uh, smart and talented listeners uh, to this show who might be interested in this opportunity. Uh, so yeah. thank, thank you so much, uh, Justin, for everything um, that you've shared on this, this call, and um, I learned a ton. Uh, if someone wants to get in touch with you or learn more about you, what's the best way to do that?
1: Well, man, I'm on Twitter, so you can check me out. It's uh, at Empire Flippers. I mean, obviously, you can check us out at EmpireFlippers.com, and we have a podcast, uh, Empire Podcast, and our new show with uh, my buddy H. Chapman is called Web Equity Show. You can check that out on Stitcher, iTunes, whatever.
0: Okay, awesome. I'm looking forward to that beer, by the way. Yeah, buddy. Let's do it this weekend, huh? Yeah, sounds good, man. Thank you so All much man. for your uh, your time tonight. Yeah, thanks, buddy.